Sometimes you just, well, all the time, whether you realize it or not, you just need to lift a praise. There ought to be a praise on your tongue continually, the fruit of your lips, giving thanks to his name, making confession to his name that you know and you declare, God is my God, and if God is on my side, then I can't go under because he's not going to go under. <laughs> I like the word that the Lord gave to Pastor Trenna Hankins. God is on my side, for the blood has been applied. Every need will be supplied, and nothing will be denied. So I enter into rest because I know I'm blessed. I've passed the test, and I'm going to get God's best. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> the blessings of Abraham, the blessings of Abraham, which are many, actually have come on the believer through faith. Amen. You want to say like how in the world? Actually, the Bible says that they that are faith, of, of faith are the children of Abraham. And those actually that were the natural children of Abraham are not even the children of Abraham unless they come by faith. We have to rely on God with everything that is within us. When I say within us, I mean from our spirit. Your head can have a doubt, and you can have faith in your heart, and you can receive from God. Sometimes that's the sweetest time to believe God, that you're like, I'm going beyond my natural feelings. I'm going beyond these natural inputs, because every input says failure, 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 can't do it, done, finished, just give up. But God says, all Things are possible to him that believes. That was the Greek word pistiosis. Well, that's not how you pronounce it, but that's my pronunciation. <laughs> I was trying to get my wife to listen to it this morning. And I'm like, listen to this. How's it pronounced? Pistian, pistian, whatever. It was like Italian. Pistian, or something like that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, we're looking at humility which is really, it's, you could call it humility, the key to greater grace. Humility, the key to greater grace. Why? Well, if you understand the gospel at all, or if you don't understand the gospel, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you the gospel. <laughs> that Jesus, God came in Christ, a man named Jesus from Nazareth was anointed of God. That's why we call him Jesus Christ, because Joseph's last name was not Christ. <laughs> Christ means the anointed one of God, or you could say the anointed one and his anointing. Jesus of Nazareth. But you notice when you read the New Testament, those that really got results from the ministry of Christ, huh, it's funny, funny to say it that way, from the ministry of Jesus were those that really honored him as Christ. In other words, they honored like this man was sent from God with a message from God and an anointing from God that he represents God. Not just Jesus is Jesus of Nazareth. Look in, uh, I think it's Luke, look in Luke chapter 5, and you find out he couldn't do hardly anything in his own hometown because of their unbelief. Uh, Mark chapter 5, I think maybe Luke chapter 4, yeah. And so, uh, because why? Of their unbelief or unpersuadableness. They couldn't be persuaded. Why? Well, they knew better. They really had a pride issue. They said, don't we know his sisters? Don't we know his mom and dad? Didn't we see him? They were too familiar with it. But you know, Mark, I like Mark's uh, uh, um, uh, retelling of it. But Luke I like better because Luke actually says, you remember in Luke chapter 4, 
where Jesus, he went up in the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Esaias, or that is, that is Isaiah. And he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. So on and so forth. They didn't believe that. They stumbled over that. They said, how can you be anointed? Don't think the enemy doesn't come to every one of us at different times and say, how can you be anointed? Who do you think you are? I've seen you from when you were growing up. I'm kind of familiar with, and you know what they'll list is like sometimes a relative that's maybe well-meaning but misplaced words. Like they'll remind, well, I remember when you did this. I saw you, you know. I had people tell me when I was a, a, a teenager, you know, I don't like it when they say this, but they said, I used to change your diaper in the nursery. <laughs> I'm sure, I hope it was a pleasant experience. My mom said, my mom had four boys, bless my mother. No girls, four boys. So with her husband, there were five of us and one of her. And she said when we were born, all of us were born. She said the first one she didn't learn, that's my older brother. But then after that, the doctor, she kind of learned from the doctor because they'd be born and come out and then all of a sudden they need to pee. So he like turn them and make them pee on my mom, the doctor, you know. She said, you learn when she changed the diaper, she's got to like cover it right up, right away. I'm thinking, hope I didn't do that to some of the people serving in the nursery. <laughs> Praise the Lord. James 4.10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. 1 Peter 5, 5 through 9. These are our, our scripture texts that we're using for this series. Be clothed. I love how Peter says this. He said, put on the clothes, or he said, be clothed with humility. Dress up in humility. Nobody raise your hand, but well, let's just say last week. Last week on Monday, if you went somewhere, did you notice that people were dressed up in humility? Did you dress up in humility? Be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Isn't it a way of the flesh that your flesh wants to be so gratified and so satisfied? That your flesh does exactly the opposite. Your flesh is like, gets a little proud. Uh, how dare you offend me? Uh, how dare you say that about me? How dare you not do it? It wants to put itself above. Uh, pride means, I mean, excuse me, humility means to come under. Come under. That's why we picked this graphic for this series. Uh, well, because I couldn't actually find a graphic of somebody under somebody. I worked really hard at that. <laughs> but you know, the little person on the top is bowing down to help the person underneath come up. And I used my son as an illustration the first week we, we did this, so now I'm going to have to use Eddie, so believe God with me. So Eddie, Eddie come, up, come up here for a second. And uh, he's a little heavier than my son, but he's still not very heavy. You notice, you notice I picked a skinnier one. <laughs> so many times, really because we've not identified 
with who God has made us to be in Christ like we should. That in order for me to feel secure or stable or valuable, I have to push someone else down so that I look better than them. Right? Hey, don't look at him. Look at me. Look at me. Stay there if you would. (laughs) Stay down there. But you, you know, you know, in corporate world, you hear it like you're gonna, you're gonna. I hope you don't mind this. You're gonna step on someone else to help you get up. <laughs> Brush the dust off your feet. You can stand up. But really, the example of Christ is to come under someone to help them. What, what the, the enemy wants you to do and what the world trains you to do, what natural human reasoning says, if I, can, if I can point out his faults, especially if I know the boss can see his faults and there's a promotion. Like, you ever been, I've been in a company where they're like, you know, we only have so much percent of money to give. Now, some people are going to get a 15% raise and some people are going to get a 2% raise. You're going to get somewhere between a 15 and a 2% raise. And so then you're kind of competing against each other. So you say, well, like, if I let them know Eddie's deficiencies, well, then I'll probably get the 15. I want the 15. And if it costs him to have the two, that's okay, because the Lord wants to bless me. (laughs) That is not the way of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, actually, let him that wants to lead, let him serve or come under. And he lived that by his example. And so if Eddie's having trouble, then we ought to come under him and lift him up. And the best illustration I have for that is I'm going to do this now. All right, be kind to your pastor. (laughs) Here, I'll come over here. So you're going to sit on me. All right. So he's having trouble, and he can't. He's not stable. He has issues. Do you know, like, I can. You're going to sit more centered there, buddy. I can, I, I can lift him up. So he's no longer touching the ground. He's no longer touching that surface that's hurting him and damaging him. But I'm the one that's a buffer or a standing in the gap between him and what's going on. So instead of me trying to raise myself up so that, oh, you can't even see everybody, can you? <laughs> instead of me trying to raise myself up so I look good, I want him to look good. Thank you. Thank you. Let him that's strong bear with the infirmities of the weak. That you lift up. Well, why do I do that? Well, not just to have fun. Because I think that's one of the greatest illustrations of the humble person. That you actually come under and you help someone. Now, listen. When I started studying this again, and then I started interacting with people after studying this, boy, you can locate yourself, and you can locate other people. Not so you're like, ha, ha, ha. That is a statement of pride, sister. No. But you realize your tongue guides your whole life. You got to put a guard on your tongue. And you realize in almost every interaction, somebody's trying to put themselves above other people. 
Just spend any time on Twitter you want. What happened? You have a tail. Oh, thank you. So humility means to come under or lower oneself. You're not trying to elevate yourself, but you're actually coming under. And Christ gave us the best example, and uh, it's my favorite scripture on humility, and that is uh, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, um, I want you to turn there. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 11. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. What is vain glory? Well, it's like you're in vain seeking your own glory. See, you can read King James. It's not that hard. But in lowliness of mind. The, the, the Greek word that they use for lowliness right there is the same word for humility. It's lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He's not asking us to do something that he has not done and really that he is not. Uh, well, I better read this and I'll, then I'll come. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Not just any kind of death. As I've been studying this, it's interesting because, you know, people now, they wear crosses around their neck. But you understand when he died on the cross, that was not a glorious thing. People have glorified the cross because we kind of have like, you know, the, the devil didn't know what was happening because he never would have crucified the Lord of glory if he did. But Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. So for the believer, the cross is a glorious thing. But you know, except for the fact that you have to have the shedding of blood and everything like that, in modern day, you could say like somebody's like wearing an electrocution chair around their neck. I mean, you can't electrocute Jesus because that would not the shedding of blood. So don't think of that, you know. But you understand the, the stigma that goes with that. So uh, he came, humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Uh, wherefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in things in heaven and earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to, glory, to the glory of God the Father. Vines actually says humility means low lying. It means to make low. And a lot of times people want to say like, well, the, the, the way that, that sure humbled him, didn't it? He messed up. He failed. He sinned. So you know, that, that humbles him. Really, sin is not the way to humility. Uh, you, may, you may stumble and get full of pride, and then you will stumble, <laughs> the Bible says. And then you'll sin, you can sin, and you realize, man, what's wrong with me? But the best way to humility is through grace. When you understand the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, that he that was rich was made poor, that we might be made rich. 
When you begin to get a grasp of grace or a glimpse of grace, you will humble yourself. And humility, humility is not bondage. Humility is true freedom. Humility is not bondage. Humility is true freedom. Romans 6.16 says, Don't you know that to whom you yield yourselves to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin to death or obedience to righteousness? Whoever you yield yourself to obey. So sometimes you'll hear people, I mean, I had, um, uh, I remember when I was serving in the military, I've had coworkers, and they'd be like, man, I would never want to be a Christian. I have to give up so much. I have to give up so much. I want to, I want to go get drunk every weekend. I want to go uh, have sex with anything that moves. I want, to, I want to do this, and I want to do that. You know, that's that the world that doesn't understand, they just, that they think, you know, some things that we believe, many things are actually foolishness to the world. Why? You know, because what we believe is actually spiritually discerned, not naturally discerned. So you can tell if you or someone else has some spiritual discernment because they'll get all hung up on different things. Like somebody say like, well, why did Jesus curse the fig tree in Mark, you know, chapter 11? Because he was mad at it because it didn't have fruit and it was supposed to have fruit, so he got mad, so he cursed it? No, that's, that is... Uh, a person who thinks natural. That is natural type of thinking. That's like you're like, well, if, I, if I'm in charge and I show up and that thing is not producing fruit and I created it to produce fruit, I'm going to curse it. No, he cursed the fig tree to teach a lesson on faith. Because it said that the season of uh, figs, it wasn't even the season of figs, but that thing still had leaves. If it had leaves, it's supposed to also have figs. So he knew, like, this doesn't have figs. It's supposed to have figs. Let me teach you something on faith, that the power of your words can change the natural world around you. So he cursed it and withered up and died. And, you know, they said, whoa, Jesus, what's that? He said, have faith in God. Whoever will say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and not down his heart, but believes those things that he says will come to pass, he'll have what? Whatever he says. Well, that's predicated on have faith in God or lay hold of the very faith of God or grab hold of what God is doing and what God has said and who God is. And then you speak to the mountain. You try to speak to the mountain before and it's probably not going to move. We were just in Colorado in September. I haven't been in Colorado in years. And we went to Colorado and we're staying at this lodge, this uh, Young Life Lodge or something like that. Anyhow, we're at this lodge and... Um, there's a mountain right there. The collegiate peaks are right there. And man, I kept thinking about when Jesus said, whoever says to this mountain. And I thought, that's a lot more significant when you're standing next to the Rocky Mountains. I'm like, that blew my mind. Whoever says to this mountain. He said, as long as it's little. No. Whoever says to this mountain. You do it by faith. Well, how do you act in faith? Well, faith, by its very essence and definition, is a turning of man from himself. I am not the source of this answer. 
I don't have all of the knowledge that I need for this. I don't have all of the ability I need for this. When you turn from yourself to Christ, that is probably the greatest act of humility you could commit. What? You humble yourself and you turn to the Lord. Faith is not only turning from yourself, but it's turning from the world. And it's not only turning from the world, but it's renouncing the world. It's saying, I'm not going to live to please the world. I'm living now to please my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, when you're in church and you do that, that's a great environment to do that in. But you get amongst uh, worldly thinking people and they think you're nuts. Like, what are you doing? You had, this, you had this perfect setup. You had all this education. You had all this training. Why, why are you giving that up? You know, Lillian Yeomans, she's gone on to be with the Lord, but she was a medical doctor. All this training. And the Lord used her uh, just as a medical doctor to help people get well. But then... Oh, she got born again, and she found out about the great physician, Jesus Christ. And she said, you know what? I'm giving up my medical practice. I'm going to minister healing, divine healing from the Lord for people. It's a good thing she did because when she was a doctor, she prescribed all this medicine, and she needed some medicine, and she got addicted to morphine. So she was a drug addict. She said, no, nah, I'm turning to the great physician. You know, there's a guy that was, um, he was a denominational minister, uh, excuse me, a denominational Christian, and uh, in a church that maybe really doesn't believe in divine healing like we do. And uh, he said, this is back several years ago, but he said, um, you come to my office, and I'll pray for you, and God will divinely heal you. And I won't charge you a penny. He said, but you come to my office and you don't want to turn to the Lord? He said, I'll, I'll, I'll help you. I'll do whatever needs to be done for you. He said, but I'm going to charge you. <laughs> he said it was interesting, the number of believers that would say, no, that's okay. Just work on me medically. I don't know if you can technically call those believers, unbelieving believers maybe. They just believed the part that they had light on. They didn't have light on healing. Faith is surrendering your power. Surrendering your own power. Like, no, I'm not going to do this. Uh, faith is turning from anxiety, a turning from self-confidence. It's turning from the invisible to the visible. It is grabbing hold of the world that is above. You're not grabbing hold of this world. You're grabbing hold of the world that is above. How can you do that? You notice someone that lives in, by faith and lives in faith and acts in faith and trusts the Lord and that they're humble? Man, you want to know that person. You want to be around that person, their influence. My kids have these uh, audios. What do they call Liberty kids or something? They like to listen. Are they audios or videos? Oh, they're videos, yeah. So, so they listen to these things, so I, I hear them in the car quite often. And uh, uh, so, you know, they talk about George Washington. 
before he became the first president of the United States, like he could have like uh, declared himself king of the United States. But he chose to humble himself and became such a great man because he did. Because he had it in his power to take that. Think of the power that Christ had. But he chose to humble himself and become obedient to the point of death. And because of that, God highly exalted him. Let's read the rest of James chapter, First uh, Peter chapter 5. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. The way up is not up, it's down. You know, when you bow your knees to prayer, that's an act of humility. That you're saying, Lord, I need your help. I need you involved. I'm looking to you. People that don't pray is one of the greatest acts of pride that you could see. Lack of prayer is, an, is, is a sign of pride. Why? Well, <laughs> I don't need you involved, Lord. Now you say, I would never say that. Well, don't anybody raise your hand, but do your actions uh, um, communicate that? Well, we tried everything else. I guess we better pray. <laughs> Who tried it? Yeah. <laughs> we did. Well, we went, you know, I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. But the Lord, will, the Lord is gracious and full of mercy. Look at the woman with the issue of blood. She spent all that she had with many physicians and didn't get any better, Romans, uh, excuse me, Mark chapter 5, but rather grew worse. But when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press multitude behind and said, if I can just, for she said, if I can just touch his garment, I will be whole. If I can just touch, if I can just touch him. The, the, just not even his body, but his garment, I'll be made whole. Well, she pressed her way in there, and she got a little bit of that garment because Jesus stopped. He turned around, and he said, who touched me? And the disciples said, uh, Lord, how do we say this respectfully? <laughs> Everybody's touching you because there's so many people here. So I don't want to be rebuked again because, uh, you know, lack of faith or anything like that. I know you kind of rebuke some people like that. But, you know, like, everybody's touching you. He said, no, somebody had the touch of faith because power went out on me. He could perceive when the power of God flows through you. So he perceived that. And she said, she said, Lord, I did it. It was me. And he said, daughter, because you've suffered so much from so many physicians, I chose you out amongst all the rest to be extra special. And I said, I want my power to go into her and heal her. No, it's Mark chapter 5. He said, daughter. He know he sees us as sons and daughters. Like he's our daddy. He said, daughter. Just because you're my daughter, you're going to be healed. Mm 
No. He said daughter. So you can be a son and a, or a daughter of God and still not get what belongs to you as part of the family. But he said daughter. It's hard to get off of that, isn't it? He said daughter. What's behind that? When the father of all fathers, the father of all perfection, glory, protection, provision, deliverance, help, strength, light, direction, when he says son, daughter, What's in his heart? Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. Daughter, because you humbled yourself and turned away from everything that the physician said, turned away from everything that you knew, that you'd tried, these, these, all these remedies, all these different things, that you, were, didn't, you didn't even get stopped up because you're so frustrated because you spent so much money and it was like going down a, a pit and just spending more and more and more and more and more. You get hung up on that. You spent all this money, yet the answer is right there. You just turn to Christ and the answer is right there. But you're so frustrated because of experience. You got offended because they, they supposedly knew something and didn't know it. He said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Your faith caused you to get hold of something unseen. What is that? That was complete restoration of her issue of blood. Completeness wholeness, soundness, every part. He said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Humility and faith really go together. They're intertwined. Because you can't, you know, somebody said, well, uh, <laughs> I heard years ago, somebody said, well, like, well, you don't really need to repent when you, uh, to accept Jesus Christ. You can just confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart, God raised from the dead, you'll be saved. And, um, you know, Maybe they just misspoke or maybe they don't understand. But faith is believing. Believing is uh, whatever that word is, pistios. That's a verb. If you, are, if you have faith, it will be seen through what you do. It's a verb. Faith is a noun. When you say faith, have faith in God, have pistios in God is what the Greek says. That's a noun. But your pistis must produce pistio. Otherwise, it's not pistis. 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 I like to talk the Greek words sometimes because when you hear the English words, sometimes you kind of don't get the full comprehension of it because you're so used to hearing it. And you don't actually let it come into your heart. You got it in your head. And head faith doesn't do you any good. Head faith will keep you separate from God. Head faith will prevent you from receiving from God. But heart faith in an instant receives from God. So, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And when you act in faith, it is an act of humility. 
In order to act in faith, you must humble yourself. So people say like, well, you, you, have, to, you have to repent all this. Do you understand in the very essence of faith itself is repentance? You cannot act in faith without repenting. Because faith is turning away from yourself, the world, anxiety, the things of the world, and grabbing hold of the unseen and turning to Christ himself. Well, people define repentance. It's not just saying something, but it's changing the direction of your life. So the reason some people have an issue with acting in faith is because they're unwilling to put their body under or they're unwilling to say what my reasoning abilities can tell me might not be the end of the truth. They might not even be the beginning. Let me, turn, <laughs> let, let me give you a little light bulb. But natural human thinking and reasoning and figuring it out, like I'm... Who, you guys know who the best example of that is? Of, of the natural... Trying to believe with the natural and unable to do it? That would be Thomas. I will not believe. That's like, not even Lord, like, you got to help me believe this. He said, no, let me just declare it. <laughs> I will not believe unless I see. And he said, you know, that's not even good enough. I must feel and see. Jesus rebuked him said, be not faithless, but believing. Thomas was not blessed. He said, blessed, Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So faith grabs hold of the unseen. And by grabbing hold of the unseen, that unseen actually becomes seen. Humility is not bondage, it is freedom. Why? Because when I humble myself and I turn to the Lord, I don't have to produce anything. It's not dependent upon me. It's dependent upon Him. You're a slave to the one that you obey. There is no greater leader and master than the Lord Jesus Christ. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. And that's the only place you're really alive. You have real life. Jesus said, I came that you might have real life or life and that you have it more abundantly. So when we think of humility, it, you ought to almost shout because this is great. Listen. I, I will confess my uh, uh, sin before you. I remember in 1994, I had just joined the military. And I can't believe I'm telling you this. I had just joined the military. And I was in, I had gone through basic training and I was in a technical school. And we're learning all this type of stuff. And I got, I was a, Selected as one of the leaders. And the, but there was this other girl, and she was a leader uh, in a position that I wanted. And she was doing some stuff she should not have been doing. So uh, 
I just kind of let the uh, head person get wind that maybe he should go see what she was doing. You know, even when I talk about it now, it makes me want to vomit. I think it's horrible that I did that. I got flushed like everybody else. I'll tell you what, that gave me such a taste in my mouth that I'm like, you know, I told somebody recently, I said, you know, I had a coworker one time at a very large church up in Michigan where we were at, and uh, we used to talk, you know, and um, throughout the day, just working together and stuff like that. And he said to my boss one time, he said, uh, he said, how come, uh, is Tim mad at me? And so my boss came to me and said, are you mad at him? And I said, no, not at all. Like, what would I have to be mad at him about? He's like, well, he just thought you were mad at him because you don't like hang out with him as much anymore. And I said, oh, I said, I'll tell you why that is. I said, because he is so, like, full of himself, and he's trying to push other people down to get ahead. And I said, I've experienced that before, and I don't want anything to do with that. So what the devil meant for evil, the Lord turned for good. I mean, because I'm like... I, I saw that. I was 18 years old. I saw that at a very young age. And uh, I got what I wanted, but I didn't want what I got. Or I didn't want it how I got it. I didn't actually get the later I did, but not, not through that. But I didn't. But you know, when you act in pride, your inputs at the moment are like, yeah, go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. It's going to be good for you. It's going to be good for you. <laughs> You just look, uh, who's the author of pride? The enemy, devil, Satan himself. Go to Genesis, you know, in the beginning. What did he do? Oh, you know, the Lord knows that the day you eat that, you know, he just doesn't want you to know what he knows. He's holding out on you. He, he's not trying to do what's good for you. Listen to me. This is good for you. You can handle this. Come on, look at yourself. You are amazing. Have you not realized how amazing you are? You can handle it. The Lord, he, he doesn't have your good in mind. He thinks you can't handle it. I mean, how many echoes of that voice of the enemy have you had in your life in different things? So humility is not bondage, it's freedom. Stand with me if you would. So, of course, I asked the Lord to forgive me. I forgot it until later that story. <laughs> but it taught me a lesson. Because I said, that dessert that looks really sweet, when you taste it, it's bitter. So, if you're a believer, you know, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. The nearer you are to God, the more you'll find yourself resisting the proud. Not that you're rude about it, but you're just like, no, I'm not going to, I don't want to be close to that. And it's such a, it's such a breath of fresh air that you just humble yourself, you lift other people up, so you can do it. God loves you. He has a plan for you. He'll make a way. You have somebody, yeah, but I made mistake after mistake after mistake. Man, the awesome thing is he wipes all those away. He'll set you, you fell down. 
He'll come down, stoop down, humble himself, and pick you up. And if you'll let him, he'll use you to pick someone else up. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. Yeah, you've gone to church and you've done many things, maybe even things that people consider good. But you don't come into the family of God because you've done good things. You don't come into the family of God because people call you godly or because you, know, you give all your money away and that you, you are a sower and a giver. You could give your whole life, 50% of your income, and it won't get you any closer to God. It won't get you any more favor with God. You can serve all the time in community service, help a bunch of people, actually helping people. You can still get to heaven and or pass on from this life, and the Lord say, away from me, I never knew you. Because it's not about what you do, it's who knows you and who you know. If you've never confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you'd like to this morning, you'd like to receive him, he loves you, I want you right now just to look in your heart, not with your head. Your head will tell you a lot of things. There's lots of thoughts. But look in your heart. The Lord's calling you this morning. He wants you to respond to him. You may not have another opportunity after this morning. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, but you'd like to, you'd like to receive him. As many as received him, those are the ones that he gave the right to be the children of God. Slip up your hand if you want prayer, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You want to come into the family of God this morning. God loves you. He has a plan for your life. It is not bondage. It is such freedom. You don't have to try to perform. You don't have to try to do this and try to do that. You get to live his new life with his power, his strength, his ability. He, he wants to forgive you. He's already forgiven you. He wants you to receive his forgiveness for your sins. Is there anybody here like that this morning? Just slip up your hand. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right, number two, if you're here this morning and you want to rededicate your life to the Lord, uh, you were a believer, but you kind of got distracted, let a lot of other things come in and take the place of Christ, and you feel in your heart that you need to come back, make a declaration that Jesus is my Lord, that I, uh, I got distracted for a while, but I'm not living that way anymore. I'm living for the Lord. If that's you, uh, slip up your hand. We want to pray with you and for you. Glory to God. He loves you. And thirdly, if you're here this morning and you've never been filled with the Spirit, but you'd like to be, slip up your hand. We want to pray with you and for you. Hallelujah. Let's take a moment as Dave sings uh, quietly and each one of us just to examine your own heart. Look to the Lord. If, you, if you'd like to respond to any of those this morning, 
Please don't wait. There is a place in the family of God for you. There is a seat at the table for you. He loves you so much. Don't let fear have a place, but you just yield to the Spirit of God who's tugging on your heart. Hallelujah. Looking for those that will respond to Him, to follow Him, to serve Him. Let Him forgive you. Let Him come into your life. Will you receive Him today? Just slip up your hand if you'd like to do any of those. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, Father, Father, we love you so much. Thank you for every person that is here this morning, every person that's listening online. Father, I ask for your very best in their life. Thank you for the life of Christ and the blood of Christ that was shed for every single one of us. Father, I pray if those are the, there are those that don't know you that can hear this right now, Father, that you would rivet their attention to your love and to your mercy and to your way. Father, that they would confess Jesus as Lord, that they would receive him into their heart, thereby giving you access. Father, we thank you. I thank you for your plans for our life. Father, we thank you for your message today that you've delivered to us. Father, we humble ourselves before you. We look to you, that you strengthen us, that you help us, that you open the eyes of our understanding, giving us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing you as we go this week. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.